This is Daft About Craft, the craft beer podcast, proudly brought to you in association with award-winning independent drinks retailer, Real Drinks. You can buy online at realdrinks.co.uk and in-store at Twickenham, Notting Hill and Maida Vale. <laughs> A very warm welcome to episode number 15 of Daft About Craft, the craft beer podcast. Thanks a lot for taking the time to join us. It's me, Dave D. And me, Dave D. And we'll be talking all things craft beer with you as usual. What's coming up, Dave? Plenty, as ever. As I've said on previous episodes, we like making new friends. The ones that we had a good talk to are two guys who have featured very briefly before and that is freddie and george from jefferson's they were on a drink along of the previous episode from our sponsors real drinks we had their dipper was suitably impressed so wanted to find out more about them we had a chat we had some more beers and found out that they are very good indeed so good in fact that you even enjoyed their goes i did I only had it very recently. I didn't have it on the chat for full disclosure, purely because I didn't want to um, hate it, ruin things. <laughs> but, um, it was good as goes as go. That was it was really nice, and for me, that's quite a recommendation. Fantastic! So, you've got Jefferson's coming up, and we uh, we have a few beers with the guys from there, and also we've got Solvay Society popping in for a chat and. Uh, the lowdown and what they've been up to they were involved in a crowdfunder not so long ago which we mentioned here on the podcast and no doubt they'll be telling you all about that and lots more we've also got our usual features hype or tripe we've been looking back at our favorite beer since the last episode and as usual what should we kick off with dave it's two breweries that neither of us had before i'm going to kick things off I've gone, once again, I've gone up to Northumberland. I seem to have a real draw to that sort of part of the world at the moment. And it is Ganyam, who are very, very new to the scene. I only remembered about these guys because they popped up on a Facebook group that they'd set up and you could join their newsletter to see when they were launching. So I did that. And then lo and behold, got an email about six weeks ago to say they'd sort of got their first beers out there. So I bought the six-pack that they were selling, three beers, two of each. I'm going to have the New England IPA, Bright Green Field. And for those of you who are wondering, Ganyam in Cumbrian dialect means to go home. They did originally start out down in South London, so says their website, and then they moved back home, which is Kendall in Cumbria, to start out properly. So interested to see how this is. I think they've already got somewhat of a loyal following from what I've seen. And they could easily be the kind of people we might want to talk to more because it very much sounds like the kind of story that you and I would be quite interested mm. in. And I'll tell you what, I'm quite excited because I see they claim to use mountain fresh water in their beer. So this, I know you're very big on your water profiles. This could be quite interesting. Yeah, they've gone quite classical with Bright Green Field in terms of hops-wise. It's Mosaic, Citra, and then the slight difference is Enigma. So I'm expecting pretty classical nose and hopefully pretty classical taste. It's not the most powerful of noses. It's fruity without being OTT, and it's a little bit faint almost, if that makes sense. It's not 
the fruitiest of New England's. It is full. I think there's more mosaic and enigma than there is citra in it. That would be my guess. And if I'm wrong, I apologise, Ganyam. It's full, but it's not super, super fruity. Okay. That enigma is another one of those... uh in my experience, another one of those hops that can uh, dominate a little bit. I get the impression it, it might be doing just that. I wouldn't have been surprised almost if you'd said to me that was a mosaic, maybe not Simcoe, but it was mosaic with a tiny amount of galaxy in it. It's on that sort of flavour. We're not getting, I'm not getting like pillowy soft, loads of fruit, fruit salad type New England IPA. It's it's a bit more robust than that. What percentage uh, alcohol did you say it was? Uh, this is five and a half. Okay. Not a heavy hitter in ABV at all. Yeah, I don't mind it. It's it's perhaps a little bit more muted than I thought it would be. With my New Englands, I do like them sort of super fruity. And yes, I think I had a certain expectation of it. And it's perhaps not delivered quite to that. But that's not to say it's not it's not a bad beer. It's a perfectly nice, solid introduction to them. Mm. I've got the pale ale and I've also got the porter. I'd be interested to see how the porter stacks up. I nearly went for the porter, but I know I know I did a dark beer last month. And, and you do love your pails, don't you? I do. I always think for me they're a really good way of sort of seeing what a brewery is trying to do. I can't run away with getting too excited about it, but it's it's a solid enough introduction. I'm interested to see what else they're gonna do. And it could be they're going you know, one of the other beers might be a bit better than that one for me and I might get a bit more out of it. And what else they have coming down the line i can see since i've placed the order they've actually added another beer to the range so that's good then that there's new beers coming in uh, on a regular basis by the sounds of it because however much we don't like to admit it we all love to try different beers all the time don't we so when a brewery's giving you a new one every few weeks that's what we want really yeah exactly i see they've they've got another ipa which that's the one i didn't get um called i i would say if you see these guys selling try one and see what you think it sounds like a solid introduction to a to a, yeah. a, a brewery yeah. you haven't tried before. I'll tell you what, well, why don't you uh, sort of leave that in the glass? I'll open the one I've got here, which is from a brewery I'd never heard of before. It really was uh, new to me. I was in a local little um, cafe stroke bar, and they sell a few uh, cans in the fridge, and I just spotted it in there, spotted the artwork from a from a distance, it's a bright orange can, and I went and had a little look, and I saw this from Mall Brewing. I had to look them up, and they're based in Northampton. How are we spelling Mall? M A U L E. Okay. And uh, it seems to have actually been going for seven years, believe it or not. Started out in 2014. They've even got a tap room as well, um, which is open every Wednesday to Sunday. It always staggers me how a brewery that's quite established and has got that sort of local presence hasn't made it onto our radars. I can never quite understand how that happens. But interestingly, since I saw this beer in the little... I've seen it in a few other local places, so maybe they're sort of seeking to get their wares out a bit further now. Well, while you've been doing that, I've just had a look to see if I've had any more. And I have. Oh, right, okay. What do you have? I had their pilsner or one of their pilsners no sorry i had their lager i had mandarina lager now i bet you like that mm, untapped would say i wasn't blown away yeah well you can <laughs> be very harsh uh well i know when i had that now yeah i had that i would have had it just over two years ago at a beer festival in oh, okay. ipswich they were on as a guest somewhere And it was, and my my comment was just along the lines of perfectly good when the sun's out, which is sort of what a lot of lagers fall into. So, this is interesting because 
beers can evolve a lot over over mm. one, two years. And the perfect example, I recently was in Birmingham. We went to the Indian Brewing Company. It was a lovely sunny day, sat outside. They've got a few beers which they brew themselves, and I went for their lager. I ordered it, and I looked it up on Untapped, and I knew various people who checked it in over the last few years. And the untapped marks it had got varied from sort of 0.5 up to 3.75 over a number of years. It obviously been getting better and better. So mm, just sort of refining it and exactly. And it came out and it looked amazing and it tasted amazing. I think I gave it a four. And as you know, I'm not even a lager fan. So the point being that these, you know, just because something was okay two or three years ago, it may now be a lot better. Yeah, and that's come through of our conversations with some of the brewers as well, but they're forever tinkering and tweaking and mm. not satisfied. But back to what you've got now. So what, what have you so what this, have we got coming out? This here? is Wonder Pale Ale. It is 4.9%. It, ta- it smells massively fruity. We've got Simcoe and Mosaic, the classic combo, mm-hmm. but topped off with some Summit, which you don't see a lot of. Now, Summit... That's a new one on me. Right, well, it's used mainly for bittering, so... Um, I guess there's not that much of it in there, but it does have sort of citrus aromas as well. Okay. So you can see why that would go quite well with the Simcoe and the Mosaic. What's mm. it taste like? It's not as hazy as I'd want it to be. It's quite a deep orange colour, actually, for a beer of mm. that strength. Mm. I didn't expect that. I thought you'd have more like what I've got. I'm sort of in the... More yellowy and the, hazy. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. There is a bit of bitterness there at the end. Not too much, that's for sure. Huge fruit on the nose. And to echo what you said about the one that you had a couple of years ago, uh, it's a nice beer when the sun's out. I think I think I would agree. So it sounds like it's one of those. It's it's inoffensive. Quite happily drink it. Yeah. Will you remember it in three weeks' time? Yeah, Perhaps but, not. But but that's not necessarily detrimental. It's just that's what it's doing. It's filling its brief of being a nice, absolutely. easy drinking beer. Absolutely, that's what it sets out to be. It says here it's got sweet berry fruits with a piney finish. Yes. Light and clean bitterness, yes. Balanced by a smooth malt body. Yeah, absolutely. Does what it's supposed to do. Can't argue with that. Daft about craft. Okay, so regular listeners to the podcast might remember that a few episodes ago we had a beer from Jefferson's, which was a collab with our sponsor, Real Drinks, and we absolutely loved it. It was a double IPA, and it tasted fantastic. So we've tracked the guys down at Jefferson's, and we've got them on the podcast right now, so... How you doing to George and Freddie? How you doing? All Hiya. good, thank you, yeah. Good to meet you, yeah, indeed. We were so impressed with that dipper, we had to get you on and uh, and hear hear your story, really. Find out how you got into it and how long you've been doing it. And uh, 2017 you started, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, so 2017 is when we started our, our commercial brewery. So we've been homebrewing together for, for quite some time before that. And it was really just just a, like a hobby that we, we fell into. And we've been doing it for quite some time. How it sort of come about was we brewed for our brother's wedding. Again, at the time, this was just hobby. There was no business intention whatsoever. But the beer went down a storm at the wedding. And then we had people asking to brew for their events and their weddings and things like that. And I think that was sort of the light bulb moment that sort of pushed us to to take the leap of faith. A lot of places, it seems like, started in 2017. I don't know why, but whenever we do a little bit of looking into it, it's all about that same sort of start point. So obviously you got your, your way in just from home brewing, and then how quickly did it accelerate from, from there to where you are now? Uh, I think so basically 2017 and we were, or 2016 rather, when we were doing the business plan 
and getting the finance in, we kind of felt that we might have missed the market a little bit. There was a lot of new entrants. Yeah, missed the boom. There was a lot of new entrants. We were initially looking for like a 10 barrel to go into. And we just felt like, yeah, we kind of missed it. So we wanted to start small, test the waters a little bit. And so we decided to roll out with a small 200 litre kit. And it kind of helped us being with a homebrew background to kind of learn and develop a lot. We've still got the 200 litre kit, but we've, we started with four 240 litre tanks, yeah. which is really, some really small nano brew when we first set up. I think we were, or God knows, might still be, um, the smallest brewery in London. What we lack in like the, the, the brewery system size, we just constantly brew on it, which is, I mean, it's not ideal. It takes up a lot of time, but it's, it just allows us to get as much beer out as possible. So we just increase our tanks and just run the hell out of the brewery. So it sounds like it's it's non-stop then. You have several, do you have several brew days a week then, or are you sort of... Yeah, so we have, now we have three uh, 625 litre tanks, and we've got a few other smaller tanks. So to fill those 600 litre tanks, we have to triple brew. So like this morning, we have to start at six, and we'll probably finish around six, and we'll do three brews, triple brews, and we'll do that at least once a week so well, it's probably about twice a week we'll do a triple brew this is obviously more reason why we are planning to to get to where we are on an upscale because i mean it's fine it's manageable but it just takes up a lot of time and a lot of man hours mm. when you could be just obviously doing one brew or a double brew and that gives you a lot more time to, to focus on on other parts of the business really so is it just the two of you doing all this brewing or is there other people involved as well it's just us two, yeah. We're doing the delivering, the brewing, the packaging, the, sort of the label designs, everything. You must be knackered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it keeps us yeah. on our toes, definitely. But every week's different. Some weeks are very stressful. Some weeks are very good. It is good, the fact that you can't, you just dip into every side of the business. Like, Yeah, so you've experienced every, you've done every sort of job within the business, haven't you? You've done the whole lot. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. What happens now in the next few years? So now we are, we're just basically trying to get all our ducks, ducks in, a, in order because we're, we're planning to upscale. We want some private investment, basically. We want some private funding to get a new, a new site, a new tap, well, a tap room rather. We don't have a tap room at the minute, which is a huge part of the business model that we've been lacking. We talk to quite a lot of people and they say, you know, the key is... The if you're going to do it, you've got to have a tap room now. The key yeah, is the tap I, room, yeah. I, I agree with like with with the tax. It makes it so much harder to obviously do what you're doing without that revenue stream of a of a tap room coming in. So many of our customers like reach out and ask where where's your tap room? When can we come down for a pint? And it's it's obviously lovely to hear, but then it's also a bit of a, a kick in the teeth because you think, oh god, we really we really need to get this moving and get this going. So that is the next stage: upscale the brewery, looking maybe like a six to eight barrel, uh, an eight barrel, sorry. Um, with with even bigger tanks on site tap room, um, we basically want to make like a destination point. Um, so have like street food vendors and and things like that. So just a spot you can come down to and just be there for for an afternoon and enjoy yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we've we've done the the businessy side of things, but of course we're here to talk to you primarily about the beer and. As we touched upon, we were both really impressed with that dipper, which I'm afraid I've forgotten the name of, and I hope it's having a rebrew because it was brilliant. I think at the time I said, I thought there was a verdant influence in there, but not in a bad way because I, I find verdant have that veggie nose, which I don't like, but that didn't. 
And I'm now drinking the Bright Side Pale, which lives up to the name in terms of brightness of it. I haven't seen a, a pale that sort of shade for quite a while, and it's really nice. And I could smell the fruit as soon as I sort of cracked the can on it, and it was sat sort of 12 inches away from me. Dave's got the sour as well. Um, feel free to tell us about both beers, but also who does what and who likes what out of the beers as well. Does one of you have a sour taste? Does one of you like IPAs? Or we should say that as we as we talk in here, one of you is drinking the goes and the other is drinking the pale. So, um, or do or do you both like yeah. do you both like everything? We both enjoy the same type of beers, and that's what I think works well. We like hot forward beers. We like sours. Um, in the winter, we like a very approachable stout an oatmeal stout we're not into imperial stouts anything too heavy on the dark side we both love to drink the same beer which works very well for us I think us. it helps in terms of brewing just brewing what, what you like mm. I, th- I feel like you can get more out of it rather than just just brewing something to obviously to seem popular or go with how the market is I think it it, it probably does show that if you're if you're not keen on that beer or you don't love those styles of beer, then it probably will show in the end product. Yeah, I couldn't agree more because putting a pale into the pale market, it, as you know, it's a pretty saturated market, but this yeah. does stand out. And I mean that genuinely because one, the colour, and I haven't had a Citra, Citra and Simcoe beer where I can really hit sort of smell and taste the hops as much as this for a while. I want, Did you guys put a lot of hops in this? Is it quite heavily hopped? Or? So we've actually brewed this on the first lockdown. We had just started rolling that can then. And it was actually it's only got 12 grams a litre, which I suppose is on the higher end for a pale. Citra T90, Simcoe T90, 12 grams a litre. Um, we do uh, fruit gram a litre whirlpool of Citra. Yeah, it just kind of pops. I think it's to do with the hops that we're using. Um, in the last sort of year, we've decided to really buy the most freshest hops that we can. Yeah. So it's all 2020 uh, hops now. So Dave mentioned that he thought with that dipper we, we had before, there might have been a bit of a verdant influence. Whose beers do you like to drink and who have you learned things from? I, I would say your big hitters, um, George and I, like, we we actually went and, and bought a few beers over the weekend. We had some Verdant, we had some Dea, um, we had, a, I had a Rivington, that was Oh, yeah, Rivington are good. I hadn't actually, I, I might have had one ages ago, but I haven't had one for so long, and that, that really hit the spot. To be honest, I, I feel like a lot of breweries now... Are, are catching up in terms of, of the standard and the quality of beer. And there's, there's so much of an offering. I feel like the consumer is, really is sport for choice. Yeah. Once when brewers like Dea were, you know, the go-to brewery for a pale, now there's yeah. a lot of other people they've caught up. People are like coming out of the woodworks. Yeah. And you've got, got like your, your gravity wells, your, your drop projects. and yeah. Which is great to yeah, see it's... because all of a sudden there's more competition and presumably that will then spur brewers on. It definitely has spurred us on in the last two years, drinking other, other breweries' beer, realising how good it is. Our main focus for the last two years has just been quality. That's the one goal. And we just believe everything else will follow in place if you just focus on quality and consistency. I think that does stand out, the dipper, going back to that. What struck me, as I say, along with where I thought perhaps the influence was, was just the standard of it for a sort of brewery I'd never heard of. You know, you guys say you're sort of a two-man job and that. It it didn't taste like that. It tasted like it could have easily come from a big hitter, which I hope you'd 
take as a compliment because that's how I mean it. But it just it, it it tasted really professionally brewed, as does this one. And it, it was sort of like, oh, okay, these these guys have a, a bit about them, want to find out more. So what can people look out for and try and get hold of next? Next up, we have a Mosaic Cryo Dipper. And then, to be honest, it's, it's a lot of what we've been doing. So your, your session IPAs, your pale ales, your, your New England IPAs, things like that. You're really mindful of the fact that people like us, we want a, we want a new beer this week, next week, every week. We don't want to drink the same one twice. We want the next one. Yeah. So, but within was- releasing a beer every week, you do find the big hitters and the sort of recipes that work really well and people love. Yeah. And so we will we do bring back some of the golden beers which, yeah. which go down the store and the bright side was one of those we brewed then the first lockdown this was the third run now it, the yeah side. it went straight away sold out then we brewed it a week later after it sold out went again and so yeah we just thought we'd wait a while and then bring it back in the summer again and when you brew, when you rebrew something do you do you tend to tweak it a little bit more to make it even better than the previous time or do you just leave it alone and do it the same we're always tweaking. Well, I like to tweak recipes a little bit with a rest, um, with a water treatment, slight grist percentages changes. Um, with this particular beer, we used to use Windsor, Windsor yeast, sorry, yeah. Um, but now we're using uh, Verdant IPA yeast. We are using that quite a lot. Over the last two, we've been experimenting with different yeast. a lot of different um, New England-style yeasts. I do have to say that it has sort of come up trumps. It's a sort of powerhouse uh, yeast, yeast, and it's consistent. Chucks up really nice esters and a lovely haze, and we're really happy with it. I've got to say, this goes that I'm drinking as well. I'm very pleased you sent me two cans. <laughs> I might go and open the other one shortly. It's really good, yeah, really it's nice. It's a nice little palate cleanser. It's very mm. refreshing. I think. Mm, absolutely, the color of it is fantastic as well. I mean, I'm not, I'm not much of a sour person. I leave that to that's Dave's department. He he um laps them up but i mean i can see from the color of it on a, on our cameras that it it looks brilliant it's so vivid it was it'll stand out a mile in most places well we just released um a few weeks ago alongside it this year interfusion spin a is a seasonal of ours the last three years and it always goes down a storm we only brew it once a year and it's a spring beer and you know, once it's gone it's gone until the next year but this year we brewed uh, double fusion so it's an amplified version. It was 7.5%. Uh, I believe Interfusion has 110 grams a litre of raspberry puree and Double Fusion had 170 grams a litre. So it's a lot more bolder and more deep with the raspberry. Is that still available, the Double Fusion? That's sold out. That yeah. One, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Sadly. laughs> Can't believe this. Yeah. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe a rebrew soon. Uh, that'd be nice. That would be good. So you mentioned before about you're looking for a private investor for to help you move on to the next stage, and with the tap with the tap room and what have you. Have you th- did crowdfunding cross your mind at all? I know a lot of people have been doing that recently. Yeah, I mean we're probably more swaying uh, to crowdfunding, but for equity, giving away equity um, rather than rewards based. Right. For sort of for what our upscale that we want and the the. the the funds that would be needed would be quite large. We'd want a sort of big unit with a lot of little um, seats. Something to like really grow into. and So we definitely need to crowdfund uh, via equity. We probably won't be going down the 
private investment. No, to be fair, yeah, it'd be it'd be crowdfunding, and we know it can sometimes be hit and miss. I mean, was was actually meant to roll that out a year ago, but COVID hit, so we've been waiting, um, sort of working away, badgering away with the brewery and the business plan, and um, we're now feeling like we're in a place to sort of move forward with it again. I think I think a lot of people out there are really keen to get involved with crowdfunders. There's there's a lot of them out there. Uh, Solvay Society in in London they they did one recently. They got their target. They smashed their target, didn't yeah, they? Because I did. think they went it was eight thousand or something, wasn't it? And they really nailed it very quickly. Yeah, <laughs> breweries in my area have done it and got it easily. So I think there's a real thirst and appetite for it, and people will hand over the cash. You know. Yeah, I feel like if you've got that that support locally and in the community it always helps people are always like willing to get behind you there's always that element though um of being a bit scared of putting out there and seeing people's reactions and if they would be very supportive or not it's it's always in the back of your mind a little bit that worry we kind of have to move forward and upscale we can't stay in the brewery that we're at it's triple brew days and we're selling out of beer in a week or two and it's we just need more capacity I hope you go for it because I think you'll do it. If you're selling out of the product within two weeks, that's hopefully that shows there's the market there and the appetite there. Realistically, it probably won't be till early next year, all going well. And so, as you move forward, will you presume you know you'll you'll take more people on to work for you? But that must be a bit of a worry as well because this is your this is your thing, this is your business, and you put everything into it. It must be a daunting prospect to think that you've got to bring in outsiders at some point. Oh no, I can't wait to get someone to start. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just been the two of us, you know, for four years in the little brewery. We'd love a, a bit more company. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And so you've got a website now. Uh yeah, so it's uh www.jeffersonsbrewery.co.uk. We set up the web shop obviously the beginning of, of lockdown and it's been an absolute lifesaver. Um got our social media which is at jefferson's beers and that covers twitter facebook and instagram big big thank you there to george and freddie from jefferson's brewing in the south of england they're going places they're going to be big another brewery that you heard about on daft about crafts now this is the time of the podcast where we usually tell you about the beers we've been enjoying drinking since you last heard from us. Now, in the last few weeks, Dave B hasn't been drinking so much because he's got a very, very special day uh, coming up fairly soon. Very soon, in fact. And he'll tell you a bit more about that later. So he's not going to do this section. It's just me. And uh, my favourite beer that I've had was just a few days ago, actually. And it was was in the Coracle pub in Ironbridge in Shropshire. And they got on an 11% stout, had a few drinks there, then went for this one at the end. And it's from the Fallen Acorn Brewing Company. It was a double milk imperial stout, 11% called For Comfort, For Solace. And now there is uh, some coconut in there. And often with these coconut beers, you might find that coconut dominates a little bit. But this was so beautifully well-balanced. Wow, it was a real standout moment one of the best beers i've had for some time and it was a straight five out of five ten out of ten gold stars all the way from me it was really really excellent like i say beautifully well balanced lovely decadent chocolate in there but all gelling together perfectly with nothing dominating it was just a lovely one to sip away at although i, I 
I say sip away, but it made you, it was so good. It did make you want to drink it as quickly as possible, really, just to enjoy that flavour and get it down. Superb for comfort, for solace from Fallen Acorn Brewing. If you can get hold of it, then do that. Now, we've had a nice few contacts from our friend Mark Ramsey in Aberdeen, and he sent us a little voice note telling you and us what he's been enjoying drinking recently. So, over to you, Mark. My name is Mark, and the guys from Daft About Craft, your number one podcast, is asking me what have been my favourite beverages recently. And the answer is simple. The Mills Isla Brute. Yes, it's £20, but it's worth the £20. It's a luxurious smoke bomb with a plethora of tasty fruit treats, along with a kind of piney, resiny finish. We're also being joined, obviously, the overtone beers have been fantastic. We're also liking recently was the V4 by Fierce, one of my favourite brews in Aberdeen. And also what I've been enjoying recently, American-wise, the How Farmstead, I've also like a couple of the treehouse beers I've had recently, like Doberganner has been really good. And I've got Very Green coming soon. I've got my fridge. I'm looking forward to that. Also been lucky to try Monkish, Other Half, The Brewery, Cycle, you name it. But at the moment, I'm looking forward to trying more new UK breweries. So a big thanks to Mark Ramsey there from Aberdeen. Now, if you'd like to do a Mark, get yourself on the podcast, get your voice going out there to people all over the world. And I should just say, we've now been listened to in 40 different countries across the globe, which is tremendous news. So if you want somebody somewhere to hear what you've been drinking, drop us a voice note anywhere you want. Email uh, daftabackcraft1 at gmail.com on our Instagram feed, anywhere, and we'll get it on the podcast, just like Mark there. Now, we've been talking to somebody else uh, recently from Solvay Society. Have a listen to this. Hi, everyone. I'm Polly. I'm the sales manager for Solvay Society. Super excited to be part of Daft About Craft. So thank you, Dave uh, and Dave, for inviting us. So let me tell you a little bit about Solvay Society. We started in 2014. So the brewery was founded by Roman who uh, originally has a PhD in physics. So you'll guess the name Solvay comes from the Solvay conferences, which used to bring the greatest minds of physics and chemistry together in Brussels. Um, And that actually led to a lot of very important discoveries. So that's where Roman takes his inspiration. So he uses his background in science um, in his brewing, but also in our branding and just generally in in our in our lives as a brewery, we actually have quite a wide range. Uh, you'll have guessed it uh, by me mentioning Brussels already twice that we're a Belgian brewery. So Roman is from Brussels, as I mentioned. You probably have noticed that I'm also from Belgium. I'm more from the southwest. I'm from a, a place called Mons. Uh, it doesn't really have anything interesting there except from coal mines. Yeah, we have good beer, actually. I grew up close to uh, the uh, Dupont Brewery, between Dupont and Chimet, uh, if that helps. Um, so yeah, our, our little brewery got started in 2014 in Elford. Um, that's in East East London, it's nearly Essex. And uh, very recently, we actually had a quite a successful crowdfunding campaign and that helped us move our tanks from Ilford to Leytonstone. Our tap room has already been open for two years 
And um, now we're super happy to have our brewery just next door. So we're located in the archways uh, just off Grove Green Road in the, the nice little hot spot in Leytonstone. Close by, uh, we've got the Philly Brook, we've got Pretty Decent, we've got Leytonstone Tavern with the Heathcote, um, a lot of really cool little craft beer spots and Gravity Well, our friends. So we're, we're really in, in a really cool place. Yeah, obviously really happy to, to have a brewery here now, just have our little brew pub. Aside from moving a brewery, well, we've been obviously busy brewing. So we've got a wide range of Belgian beers. Uh, Hanmos is our double dry hopped Brussels style peel. Um, it's like about 5%. We've got minimized table saison. goes to 3.2%. Uh, which is quite light for a saison, but this is what we wanted because a, a normal saison would be about 5 to 6%. But we wanted something lighter and easier to drink, uh, especially for the summer. So it's quite floral, herbal. It's really lovely. After that, we've got Superposition, uh, which is our weed beer slash IPA. So it's a double dry hop weed beer. Also absolutely lovely, like a really nice introduction to Belgian beer for those who don't really know it, or just a really nice session that we'll drink with plenty of flavor. Um, then we've got Era, our double dry hopped barrel aged saison. That is the last beer brewed in our site in Ilford, uh, so it's the end of an era. And then we've got a golden sour ale, Bier du Hainaults. Um, which Roman created by uh, taking the bacteria from his surroundings in Ilford. I just told you he's, he's a scientist and he's going to use that in his brewing. Uh, we also have a few other beers. I've got Postdoc Fallacy, Bertegaard, 7.2%, hazelnut, toffee, apple, almond, really lovely. And then the Tritium, which is a pink peppercorn and rye triple. I think it's the, the one beer that the most recognizable when, when we talk about Solvay Society. So yeah, 7.5%, which is a bit lighter than, a normal, than what I'm personally used to. But really well balanced in between the sweetness of a triple and um, the pink peppercorn. And then the, the acidity coming from the rye. Um, and yeah, and our plans for the future. Uh, well, we're uh, surviving the summer. Obviously, we're uh, super happy to have our tap room open again and um, to have our customers and our regular customers back. And uh, we're gearing up to bring some more beer, obviously, because we've got our new brewery and our new brewer, Mark. And he's been really, really busy brewing new beers. And so hopefully in a couple of weeks, we should have some more beers for you guys. Setting up to go to Brew London at the end of July, which is another really, really exciting thing. We'll be sharing a store with Heaney from Northern Ireland. And we're obviously working on our launch party for the new brewery. Uh, but at the same time, kind of waiting to see how the restrictions go. Um, because we would like to do it when there's no restrictions, because the more the merrier. Waiting for the train to go, you can hear we're in an archway. This is the overground line coming over my head, uh, the one that goes from Gospel Oak to Barking and back. So, um, this is where you can find us Leighton Stone Station or Leighton Stone High Road Station. Um, but I, I do hope you like trains, and if you really like trains, you should come to our tap room. 
Okay, train's gone. You're welcome to the tap room anytime. We've got a workshop for those who live a bit further away from London. And, uh, of course, any anything, any questions, um, just give us a shout on Instagram or on Facebook or send us an email or send us a pigeon. I kind of like pigeons. They're, they're kind of cool. And uh, I'll make sure to get back in touch with you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you guys for having us. Thank you for listening. And uh, we're looking forward to meeting all of you soon. Excellent stuff indeed. Thank you very much, Polly, there from Solvay Society. Now, Dave B loves Belgian beers. I quite like trains. We've got to get ourselves down to Solvay Society. And actually, we have because we uh, participated in their crowdfunder. So we've already got some uh, some credit stacked up there to use in the uh, in the new tap room. So we'll be looking forward to testing that out fairly soon. Now it should be drink along time, but bad news on this uh, on this latest edition of the podcast. There is no drink along this time because unfortunately, COVID has struck Real Drinks, our sponsor in London, and one of their shops has had to close. And the shop that's had to close because several staff have. Uh, have contracted COVID is the one from which their beers are distributed. So Real Drinks couldn't get the beers to us. Apologies wholeheartedly to anybody out there who's bought them and got them nice and early, ready for the podcast. We can't drink them with you, but please do enjoy them. Let us know what they were like. And uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, the feature will be back on our next edition. And a big get well soon to all of the guys down there that have been affected by the virus, especially to Jack, the uh, the social media guru, who we have a fair few dealings with. Get well soon, Jack. And now it's time for Hype or Tripe. Ah, it's time for one of our favourite parts of the podcast now. Regular listeners will know that when you hear that music, it's time for Hype or Tripe. And we've got not one, but two big beers to go into the microscope on this episode. So, because I live nearer to London, weirdly, apparently, I can still get hold of some beers that Dave can't. Mm. We have had this sort of geographical disparity before, but I have managed to get... Pressure Drops, first ever tipper called Fancy. And the idea was we were both going to try it, but unfortunately, your neck of the woods, you ran into some logistical problems with it. Yeah, and weren't able. I couldn't seem to track it down at all. So um, what I've done, I've gone for one of Holy Goat's beers from their very first release, which we've been looking forward to for a long time, haven't we? We actually, when Holy Goat um, sort of uh, came onto the scene uh, last year, when was it, Dave? Last year, wasn't it? End of last year? It was sort of October, November time, I think. It was never their intention to release any beers until uh, May 2021, um, but you could pre-order them, so I pre-ordered them, but could also book tickets to their first birthday in October 2021. So we did, didn't we? We've, we've got tickets to go to to Dundee. And um, they were bought at a time when we, we hadn't even tried any of their beer. So it's, this will be interesting. 50% of us still haven't. Yeah. Um, there is every chance I'm going to go to a beer festival, all being well and all permitting, and I might never have had a beer from the brewer, <laughs> the headline act of it, which is quite weird, but quite fun at the same time. So We should probably tell people you're in a very good mood, actually, so that this beer may get marked up because <laughs> of your good mood. Yeah, I am buzzing because 
as at the time of recording it's june the 14th and i appreciate not everyone may have got the news they wanted to on this day and when you hear this recording a week later things will have settled down a bit and obviously lockdown in england has sort of been delayed for a few weeks but the one from my perspective key tweak was that weddings were allowed to have more than 30 guests because i'm due to get married on july the 8th so it's been months ramped up and ramped up of nervousness and waiting and uncertainty and anxiety so to actually have this release and to know that in sort of three weeks time we can get married as normal as possible really is brilliant and i'm just super excited about it and i did say that we'd record on this day if i was in a good mood to do it and luckily <laughs> i am so and we should take taken full advantage of it we should tell people as well that your wedding was postponed 12 months ago you couldn't get married yeah year. that's true i was one of the many well sorry i we were many one of the many couples that were affected by it the first time around so we were all set to get married last july so made quite an early decision to pull stumps on that one and then we sort of thought uh we should be all right in in roughly just over a year's time and then we still ended up having to really sweat through it the last few months but luckily touch wood fingers crossed and all that we are now through it and come July the 8th, we'll get married. So, yeah, can't wait. So given all that good news, if he doesn't like this hypotrite beer, there is no hope. Yeah, but, yes, exactly. Then it, it really hasn't fulfilled itself because you're going to really get me as in a good a mood as I am now. But the hopes are high because Pressure Drop, I'm a big fan of anyway. Absolutely. I, I think they've carved a very good niche at just lovely, hoppy pails. You know, pails is their thing, although... We've both had really good stouts of them, and I don't yeah. think they shout about them enough. They don't. And sours as well, you know, they, they can do those with a great deal of skill as well. So, you know, they're, they're known for their pails, but they cover the whole board pretty well. So they sort of said on their website that they'd been badgered into doing their first ever tipper, and it, it feels like a natural progression for them. But what they've done is they've started with one of their dipper recipes, and then they've, they've adjusted the malt bill increased the hops and turned up the booze and it's mosaic and citra classic combination this is the bit that's going to make or break it for me it's a sparing addition of sabro and i do not like sabro but in fairness to pressure drop and certainly they seem mindful of it judged on the website it says it adds a melon softness without veering into coconut brackets as sabro sometimes does so we'll see here whether their touch is is a gentle touch Exactly. Now, I will say on the nose, there is a hint of the coconut. It is quite melony, actually. Really melony. So usually you get that sabro and it's all you can it's all you can taste, isn't it? It just overtakes everything else in the mix. The sabro definitely doesn't take over, so I'm I'm gonna have no no issues finishing this. It's boozy. I can tell that's ten percent. It's not one of those where it's so sweet or sort of soft that it hides it. There is a bit of a rawness to it. I can tell the strength of it. I get the citra. I get a bit of mosaic. I like it. I could do with it being ever so slightly fuller, and I do mean ever so slightly. But I really like it when it gets sort of a bit full, creamy without getting too sickly, and it's just ever so slightly not quite there in the head when to nothing. Like dissipated quick. I know what you mean about sickly. Some of the, some of those uh, tippers can fall into that category, can't they? That you can you know you can't drink a lot. Yeah, of it. I, I don't want it to be sweet, sticky booze, but I don't I don't mind it being sort of creamy, full. I want to keep going back and drinking it. This isn't 
quite in the creamy full thing. It is nice. Thin's not the right word, but it's just not it's not quite full. Oh, it seems to be going down very well though. It's perhaps got a little bit fuller there as I've just topped the can up maybe. So I might have been a little bit hasty, but no, well, it's nice. Should we give it, it a few, is nice. Give it a few minutes, we can come back to it and I'll mm. I'll go in with mine. As we said, this is Holy Goat from Dundee. And Holy Goat, you probably know because they've been everywhere, but their founder, Johnny, was one of the original uh, founders of the sensational Vault City. When we found out that the original guy behind Vault City when was... When you found out. When you found out. Yes, yes. When I found out, you couldn't care less because you ate sours. Um <laughs> Um, I was very excited, you know, there's a, oh, this is going to be Vault City Mark II, but this is very different to Vault City because I think the beers are going to be more experimental. Um, they're original, they released three beers last month in May. Uh, there was a Golden Sour Ale called Goat Wizard, um, a Flanders Red aged with blackberries and tayberries called Crimson Queen, and then a Russian Imperial Stout, which is something you um, wouldn't expect to find Vault City ever doing. Although they have done a couple of stats, but and uh, it's the stat that I've got. It's called Fohammer. It's eleven percent. And interestingly, I've just noticed here it's actually produced under contract at New Barns in Edinburgh. Oh, okay, and New Barns I would associate with doing easy drinking, yeah. lagers and, and mm. pails at, at the real sort of four five percent tops. Yeah. So I so I don't know whether New Barns actually had any input or it was just you know where it, where the beer was produced. I, I don't know, but. Quite pause like a beast. You, you, you've actually nailed the pour for once. Yes, I have. I have. I didn't even realise That's a lovely pour. Look at that. Yeah. Scenes. Right, so this is 11%. It's billed as being a big, old-school Russian imperial stout with a heavy-roasted, deep texture. It's worth pointing out, actually, when when they if they're saying old-school, that won't quite be to everyone's taste. Because I think a lot of people now think of an imperial and they want it to be imperial, but it's a junk chucked together to recreate something. And that, there's nothing wrong with that. We've reviewed them ourselves. We'll mm. review more and we'll enjoy more. But the actual traditional roots of it are a very, very different beer. And they that might not be to... So this is essentially just a straight-up big stout relying mm. massively on the malts to do the business here. Um, it smells very sweet. And roasty, but not not that sweetness that you get with those adjunct laden stouts that that we've 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 talked about before. Now the head's dissipated somewhat. Let's try it. Sort of uh, licorice tones in there. A lot of a lot of roastiness. This hasn't. Does been... it feel like eleven percent? If I was to drink the whole lot straight off, yes, it would do. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I'd know about it. It's one to sip away at. I think it's a sort of beer that you would find in a nice craft bar, and you'd have a third of it, and you'd really enjoy it. Not to say I won't enjoy the whole four forty, but um, I might have to take my time with it. it. It sounds like exactly what it's supposed to be. Then absolutely, you, yeah. you, you go to somewhere like you say. If we we're in that in that scenario, you go to somewhere. You've had a few. You've, you you clock early that they've got an eleven percenter on on tap but you don't want to have it until the end and then you have it at the end and it's glorious but you only want a third or or maybe a schooner tops yeah and then that's it yeah but it's very good now that is good it's sort of sweet without being artificially sweet it's got that maltiness little bit of licorice smoky it's just what you'd expect it to be hype all the way brilliant i will follow you in actually because this i would say actually does 
show a sufficiently light touch. That Sabro, it doesn't, as they say, without veering into coconut, and it, it doesn't. Ever so slightly tries to get there, but it can't. It's just reeled back, and it actually makes for a really interesting beer because it's really nice to have something so strong yet something that tastes predominantly of melon. I think that shows just how strong Sabro is as a hop because it has still taken over, even though they've used a light touch with it. But I think that by the sound of it, they've shown their expertise at how to deal with a hop that can easily overpower. Mm. Yeah, I've not got a coconut beer. And I and I'm, I'm, I won't name names or anything like that, but I know if other brewers had done something like this, I'd be pretty confident I'd know exactly what I'm getting and it's just yeah. going to be a coconut beer. And that's not, and that's credit to Pressure Drop, who don't feature very often if they even have featured on the podcast before. And that's not because they're bad. It's just they don't necessarily do that much which falls into the wheelhouses for, for the pod. Like they're yeah. well-established. We we have talked about their stats when they've done them and stuff, but they're just a, they're just a really good brewery who are quietly going about their business and fancy absolutely shows why they're a quality outfit and i think they've proved here that they can try something different something new to them and they can pull it off straight away yeah i'd hope they'd be encouraged enough to maybe do some other tippers and you know it sounds like obviously people have been on at them saying oh do a tipper do a tipper i guess maybe the next the next stage would be do a quad or do a tipper off a new recipe or something if this is what they can do using a an existing recipe and tweaking it i would say go for it well, this is a rarity. Hype times two. Yep, absolutely. No no complaints here whatsoever. This this gets full thumbs up. And if you do want to go to Holy Goat's first birthday party, having not tasted any of their beers like Dave. Which I might now do just out of a point of principle, because I think it would be quite enjoyable to just turn up and, and try everything <laughs> blind. Yeah, it would be interesting. Tickets are still available, I believe. So uh, get yourself onto the website. <laughs> That's all for this episode of Daft About Craft. But the two Daves will be back with another episode on July the 12th. You have been listening to Daft About Craft, the craft beer podcast, proudly brought to you in association with award-winning independent drinks retailer, Real Drinks. You can buy online at realdrinks.co.uk and in-store at Twickenham, Notting Hill and Maida Vale.